0: I sent Ailish a text because I hadn't come out yet. The the worship team, uh, uh, venue worship, uh, was doing it. Here it was like an all all city youth night, and uh, I was I was back there off stage, and I texted Ailish at some point, and I said, "Man, these kids sing loud," and uh, and she texted back, "I don't know if they're singing or yelling, <laughs> but those kids yell sing praise to Jesus all <laughs> night. It was incredible, and I thought I'm going to come back to regular church, and I'm going to be like, y'all don't." Worship like teenagers worship, but you guys did a great job, so I'm proud of you. Um I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met. Uh this is my lovely wife, Pastor Erin. We would love to meet you and meet your kids if you have kids and um and if you don't have kids and want them, we got some parents here who have <laughs> <laughs> preach that Pastor. We have four uh, four lovely daughters. They all love Jesus and serve in the house of God with us. And so what a great privilege. But if you have more than one kid, you realize like we got a lot. We got enough. You know, if anybody wants to look after them so we can get out on a date, that'd be great. Um, My kids are all grown up, so I wasn't talking about me. Um, We're in our Church in the Wild series. I, I got an announcement. Um, we have our first first Wednesday um, is coming up. It's the first Wednesday of every month we worship. And the first Wednesday in November, we have a new sound system that we ordered over a year ago that is finally going to be installed. So it's going to be awesome. Just to let you know that. All right. Um, October 15th, also exciting news. Um, as you can see, this is the early service and we're packed. So um, we're going to three services October 15th. So the time's October 15th. I know none of the men are listening. So... If you got a girl beside you, just be like, what did he say? October 15th. What did he say? October 15th uh, after Thanksgiving. And the service times, are you ready? Will be 8.30, 10, and 11.30. And a 5 a.m. that everybody has to be at. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so... Um, Hey, we need your help on the dream team. We have an incredible dream team. We got a lot of, we got a big dream team, but as you can see, we need a big dream team to serve the city and uh, more people in our city need Jesus. And so is, is it time for you to get involved? The answer is yes. Get involved, start coming to church so that you're serving other people and you're not just coming for you anymore. There's just magic there, I'm telling you. So, All right, um, and adoption takes people and time and we got to make some bunk beds, so um, awesome. Um, I'm preaching, uh, about the prodigal son today. You know, I was thinking about this. There's, there's been 5 billion copies of the Bible sold. That's paper copies. Do you, anybody under 30? This is not a book. Um, so everything I do now is like on my phone, right? But that's like paper copies, 5 billion to compare it to like the Lord of the Rings. That's 150 million copies. So you can see that. Plus the version Bible app, which has had, you know, 47 trillion downloads. So this is probably the most famous story that Jesus told that's been read the world over so many times because I think it's the, the perfect story of the human condition. And um, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to respond to the Lord. You might be somebody who's, you know, by your own, you're like, I'm, I've been far from God and I'm searching for God. I think today might be the day that you need to just formalize something and come back. Look, if you're waiting to figure it out before you do it, that's not really how God works because um, you'll never figure it out. <laughs> but when you come next to God, who you're with is more important than what you know because it becomes God's responsibility. Your life becomes God's responsibility. And so it's just marrying a super smart person like I did. That's all it takes, guys. I should have married a dummy and had dumb kids, but I had smarter than, than I looked like an idiot. So whatever. <laughs> Um, Anyways, I'm also going to give you an opportunity Because maybe grandpa went to church But you haven't been a Christ follower And you're kind of You're you're starting a relationship with Jesus But you need to come back And uh, you need to come back to the faith of, of our fathers That built this nation and uh, maybe that's you. And for, for all of us, though, the prodigal son is in a pig pen, in a pigsty. And there's some area of your life that you need to give back to the Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity with an old-fashioned altar call with the prayer team afterwards. It's going to be great. We're going to embarrass you. No, not at all. I mean, it's just going to be a time of like a family time of like, let's, let us return to the Lord. Let us make vows to serve the Lord with our lives. So it's going to be great. I'm just letting you, giving you a heads up there. All right. Um, thanks, Sean. I'm, I'm preaching today a sermon called... Uh, God moochers, because I think that's the the human condition. Just give me a second. Um, I'm preaching today about sheep. Um, Isaiah, the prophet said, said this by the Holy Spirit. All of us like sheep um, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. So that is a statement that the Holy Spirit said of the human condition. All of us like look at your neighbor and say all means you. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say all means you too. Um, bedtime's not for me. Mm, It means you too. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own path. Yet the Lord laid on him. Now this prophecy was 700 years before Christ. Speaking of Christ, yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity and the sin of us all yet the Lord. So God thinks of you as a sheep. Can we just start there? Um, Jesus, the perfect lamb of God who never strayed away, but was sacrificed for the sins of the world to pay for your adoption. That's really the gospel in, in a nutshell. Now, God thinks of you as a sheep. God thinks of me as a sheep. So here's the problem. I think of me as a tiger. <laughs> so that's a problem. I have, I have tattoos that I got in jail. Um, I haven't been to jail, but... It always relaxes Christians when they're like, where'd you get those tattoos? And I'm like, in jail. And they're like, oh, well, then you got saved after, right? And I'm like, sort of. <laughs> Haven't been to jail, just to be clear. Just so we're all guys that are like, You've been to jail. Um, don't key on the wrong thing. Okay. I think of myself as this tiger, right? I think of myself as this like, go getter you know, whatever. God thinks of me as a sheep. Um, it says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have strayed. There's the human human condition right there. Now there's resistance now in society to deny what, what reality is. I think, you know, we had a VBS here, um, vacation, Bible school. If you don't know what that is so important to, to touch a child with the gospel of Jesus young. Um, I think it, where's Jerry. Yeah. Jerry did a, a study and it did her masters in psychology or something. I don't know. Big, big words, right? Um, on, on 50 uh, adults who came to faith, um, but didn't grow up in evangelical Christian homes. So out of 50, 49 of them had a touch of the gospel of Christ, right, as children. So that's why it's super important to like, oh, my goodness, bring your kids to church. That's the best thing you can do for your kids. Now, now we, we got an angry email from, from a, a grandma of a child that came, and this was the, the gist of the email was like, I'm so angry that you would dare to tell my child that sin is a problem, that he's a sinner. Right. And so it's, there's this anger now of like, how dare you say that, that, you know, and so, um, but I mean, the only other option is thus lying to children and saying, Hey, there's no sin and it's not a problem now. let me just explain this. Adam and Eve decided sin for us. Right. So you were born in sin already. Now, let me just explain it like this. Adam and Eve were born perfect in a perfect garden of Eden that God had provided for them. Then they're like, hey, God, you're okay as a father. but We're going to choose the devil now. And so that family line has continued on. So this is, I'm just teaching a, can I like teach just for a second? So you were born into sin because you were born with the last name that's not God's last name. So you were born into the wrong family. And then, and and here's the other part too, is like people are like, oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm like, what? Does your wife think that? So seriously, people, you were born in it. Then you decided it all on your own. By the time I was two, I was an accomplished sinner. All right. Um, And there's this anger about that. But you know what I would rather do is like, if the house is on fire, the house is on fire. You know, it's not going to help a kid to be like, hey, it's not a fire. Like, just go back to sleep. (laughs) If the house is on fire, the house is on fire. So um, that was for free. All right. Here's the problem. With the church. Because this Church in the Wild series is like, who's church for? And how does God want it to function? And why? Now, our why here is a life saved is worth everything. Now, I have to keep reminding us because I'm a church person too. I grew up in a great church. My mom and dad were pastors. And so, but church people have the world's shortest memory. You know, like church people, you get saved out of like stupid crap that you used to do. And now you're a church person. And about two years later, I start getting lectures from geniuses now. And then what happens is there's this weird split that happens. That is, the people inside start thinking of themselves as people inside, and everybody else outside as people on the outside. So then it becomes us inside, them outside. And that's what gives Christians sometimes a bad name, is because the people on the inside forgot. Short memories, right? I was in the trades world, and I was so frustrated with, you know, just trades guys. Um, Now, I I love trades guys, too, because they're like super basic and get a lot of crap done. Um, but I remember thinking like, why are these people so hostile against God? And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, and when I say that, I didn't hear something out loud, but I felt it inside and I knew it to be true here. He said, if you had his dad, you'd think exactly like him. If you grew up in that home, that's exactly who you would be. And I realized in that moment, the the wall between us and them broke down in, in my heart, hopefully forever. And I realized it's just us. And so, as as a leader in a church and your shepherd, it's my job to remind you. No, you're sheep, and as sheep, you have strayed away. In fact, you're straying away in an area of your life right now. And so, you're no different than the person out there. You're just God's great grace and sacrifice of Jesus to pay for your adoption, and you were one invite away from that. That's that's it. Somebody invited you into this, and somebody Jesus paid for it. That's it. So you're not special in the sense of like God loves you. But you're very fortunate to be here. Let's just spread that good fortune around and invite other people here. Now, um, all of us like sheep. Clark says, I was looking into commentaries because I'm a theologian. Theology is just what we believe about God. He says this, it isn't strange that a sheep would be lost. No creature strays more easily than a sheep. Are you ready? Is anybody here a shepherd by trade? Okay, so don't act like you know what I'm talking about yet. All right. All right because I was for one week of my life, and I'm going to educate you. All right. None so incapable... Really? I 100% was. None so incapable as the sheep of finding its way back to the flock when once gone astray. It will bleed for the flock and still run on in the opposite direction to where the flock is, this I have often noticed. Now, you don't understand sheep because you haven't noticed them because you don't... You're not a shepherd. Can I just put the cookies in the bottom shelf? We're all good? Okay. Um but I was a shepherd. I didn't grow up on a farm, so everything on a farm is gross. Um, But I worked on a, uh, it was a farm that also had a business of like sporting clay shooting. So shotguns, like trap shooting, clay pigeons. Are y'all like computer people or what? We got any practical people in the house? Okay, Um, trap shooting, yeah. So I spent most of my time working there and then the family wanted to go away. It was a farming family, wanted to go away on vacation. So um, being the responsible person I was. They are like, hey, we're going to leave you in charge of the farm too. And the farm had a bunch of sheep. Now, um, I learned lots of things that week. Um, So they're showing me like, they're like, okay. So once a day, the sheep have to go to the field uh, to eat. So this is what we do. So the shepherdess, it was really the, that's an actual word. You know, it was was the mom of the the farm family. Okay. I feel like I'm really having to back this up for (laughs) y'all. You know what? I found out one day it was chicken butchering day and I found out that chicken doesn't come from stores and I was forever scarred. <laughs> so that was a big, big deal for me. You don't need chicken anymore. Well, I know I do, but I, I'm scarred. Okay, so so she goes down there. She goes down to the sheep pens and I don't know there's 30, 40, 50 sheep maybe in there. And she goes down there. All they do is just open the open the door and it's the same time every day. And all the sheep, as soon as they open the, the gate, right? Um, the sheep just start walking around. Now they had a bunch of pheasant pens because it was a hunting kind of place too. So the sheep walked around, all the way around the pheasant pens and way out into the field and would feed for an hour. Then she would stand at the farmhouse way back in the hill and holler what you couldn't even really hear. And the sheep would go and walk back. And I'm like, easy peasy. So the first day I go in there, I open the gate and, and the sheep are like, Who's this guy? I'm like, guys, it's, it's lunchtime. It's the same time every day. And they're like, do you know who that is? I don't know. Who that is. I just stood there. I'm like, stupid sheep, like, let's go. So I, I went in, into the sheep, into the whatever, sheep pen. My, my wife's a farm girl. She gets it into the sheep pen and I'm starting like walking these sheep out and they're just like, what, what's he trying to get us to do? And I'm like, it's lunchtime. It's every, it's the same thing every day. And so finally I get them out there and now they're standing out in the yard and they're like, so what do we do? <laughs> they're just looking around. I'm like, how do you guys not get what's going on right now? So I start like kind of chasing them one at a time and trying to get them. Finally, one sheep finally is like, Hey. It's lunchtime, and I'm going to go, and one sheep went, and because one sheep went, all the other sheep decided to go as well, and so um, and so they all decided to go. I'm like, okay, so it's time to get them back in, So I go back to the same place where she stands and hollers, and I hollered, and so I got on the truck and I drove out to the field, and I'm like, "Guys, it's the same thing every day, let's go." and I'm, I'm like. And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm angry, and I'm trying to start herding these in. And then the farm dog came along, and I'm like, I've watched sheep herding. I've watched sheep dogs, and I know what comes next. And I'm like, Tippy, because every farm dog in Alberta was named Tippy. This farm dog was mixed with some sort of dog and some sort of stupid. And so this dog comes in there, and I'm like, Tippy, help me herd the sheep. Help me herd the sheep. And Tippy goes barking right through the middle of the sheep. Just, and the sheep just scatters. And one sheep thought it was a good idea to run through a barbed wire fence at 100 miles an hour. And every sheep decided it was also a good idea and left some skin in the game. Fence posts just rocking, just broken, just. And I had a realization that when God calls us sheep, it's not because we're cute. <laughs> it's because we're fast and we're stupid. And I'm like, I get it now. Finally, I get where this is. All of us like sheep. See, as you learn about venue church structure, there's a reason we're structured so that the shepherd doesn't have to herd the sheep because there's not enough shepherds on the payroll to herd sheep. Sheep were made to follow. One shepherdess says one word, all the sheep. They're made to be led. You know why David was... Check your Bible out. I've been looking since I was a kid. I haven't been able to find any place. It says, David was a man after God's own heart, King David. I haven't found that God said that about anybody else. In all my life, I've been wondering about it. Why is David a man after God's own heart? Then I, I think I got it. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, the, the king of Israel that Jesus came from, his family line. He's like, I get it. The Lord is my shepherd. Did you know that? Because he was a shepherd boy. As he's watching the sheep, he's like, oh, I need a shepherd. I'm just like they are. Did you know that shepherd boys in the Middle East, they could take a sling and nip a sheep's nose from 20 or 30 yards out and turn them back. That's how good they were with the sling. So you're going up against Goliath with a weapon that you haven't even tried yet. Nip, nip. So when the Lord corrects David, he's like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. He makes me lie down because I'm just, I don't get it sometimes. He makes me lie down. He's like, calm down. It's the Sabbath day. Relax. I'm on the throne. Relax. Worship. Bring your kids to church. The Lord is my, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. David got it. I wonder if we get it or do we think that we're the shepherd? Because David was the shepherd of Israel, but he was never his own shepherd. There's this thing called the called, uh, flocking that when one sheep goes somewhere, they all decide to go uh, with it. In Eastern Turkey, actually, in 2006, 1,500 sheep, because one sheep thought it was a good idea, decide to, decided to cross a 50-foot ravine Just call it the woke ravine or whatever. Because one thought it was a good idea. 1,500 followed. 1,100 made it because they landed on 400 suffocating pillows who took one for the team. 1,500 sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Oh, he leads me. I better go where he leads. Um... You ever seen anybody in a line that doesn't line up to anything? You can go start one in town right now. Just go downtown and get six of you in a line, and you'll get people, be, they'll come in, they'll line up. Whew, I'm seventh in line. I'm here. Yeah. Suckers. Somebody came 20 late. Sheep are social. They are highly, they are designed by God, like you are designed by God to be highly agitated. If they lose eyesight with other sheep and you're like, well, no, I'm I'm just like, did anybody's social feed get a little crazy during COVID? Highly agitated when we lose sight of each other, highly agitated. Um, sheep are a, a, a flight. They're a prey animal. I know that I think that I'm a tiger, but my natural instinct is still to run. Um, Cause we're just not top of the food chain. We think that we are in the earth, but spiritually we're just not. And I think the devil's had our number for a long time. Thank you for the grace of God that we don't have to live under that anymore. You know, it's sheep's tracks. I was thinking about this. They're never straight. They're never straight. And this is why, this is why, because they're constantly looking behind them for danger. So they're constantly looking behind them to make sure their past doesn't catch up that's why we've got a lot of people joining freedom group right now, because it's like, you've got to deal with yesterday so that you can walk into tomorrow. You can't be like watching this all the time. There's sheep eyesight. A sheep's eyesight can be incredible, but it can go from 190 degrees. This is fascinating to 300. uh, Sorry. I got that wrong. 191 degrees. Science, I, I don't know, to 306 degrees uh, of, of vision, mostly because they need to see danger all around them. Now, that's a 115 degree difference, and do you want to know what the difference is? Is how well, ready? How well they let the sermon prune them around their eyes. Oh, that's good preaching! Preach that! Depending on how well they let the shepherd shear them right there. My mom said to me it was the only time I ever sat still was getting a haircut as a kid. And my mom said, why do you sit still getting haircuts? You don't sit still doing anything else. And I'm like, that's because Auntie Janice cut my ear. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like church people, just stop squirming. Just let me preach. Let me just shear that so you can see what's going on around you. So you don't get tunnel vision. It's what the Lord does to me before I get here. Sheep have poor depth perception and they are reluctant to go where they can't see, but they can't see where they're going because their depth perception. Come on people. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You think you can control it? You can't. It's better to be with God who. Sheep have a high pain tolerance. They don't show pain or they appear more vulnerable to predators. Yeah, I get that, my family, I get that. My dad, one time he rolled off a ladder and into a pile of bushes and my mom ran over there and she's like, Richard, are you okay? And all she heard from, from the burning bush was <laughs> Moses. Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all she heard from the bush was go away. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that uh, when a sheep stops eating it uh, tells you that they're not healthy? Because a healthy sheep always eats. And some of you, if you're not on YouVersion Bible app and I don't see you reading the Bible all week, I know that you're not healthy. Oh, this sermon, Pastor. Woo! I'll read that. It hurts us. Hold still. Luke 15, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. So we've been in our sermon series through the hundred sheep and one gets lost through the, the silver coins. And one gets lost. Now there's just two. There's an older brother and a younger brother. And he tells them this story. The younger told his, his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed uh, to divide his wealth between his sons. So there's a few things just in that that I just want to unpack is that this is typical younger brother behavior. <laughs> we got any older siblings in the house? You, you get it. You get it. What he's basically saying to his dad is uh, you're not dying fast enough and I want your stuff. And um, I've heard my brother say that. <laughs> now, it's also good to note that that in biblical times, the older brother got the double portion, which means he got double of what everybody else did. Can I hear an amen in the house? <laughs> Bible. We used to have Will talks around our table with mom and dad when we were in you know, high school and junior high, which is really weird if you're not from a practical family, but dad is practical. He's like, so here's what we're going to do. And uh, after like half an hour, because Ryan and I would get right into it. And we'd be like, so if you die, and then mom would finally be like, can we just talk about us not dying? Um, can I ask this? How often have you said to God, I want your stuff, but I don't want you? This is what Canadian society did. Hey, God, thanks for this nation that we didn't deserve, that has everything in it, one of the wealthiest nations on the planet. Our grandfathers and great-grandfathers came, dedicated the nation to God, and then in the subsequent generations, we're like, hey, God, thanks for your stuff. We got it from here. We'll take it from here, and just about lost everything in, what, two generations? Have you ever said that, though? I mean, it's the condition. All we like sheep have gone away. All we like sheep want the stuff without him. It's like there's this thing inside of us that we're like, we just rebel against the thought that God might lead us or judge us or love us or just I w- just want to do my own thing, God, but I want your stuff. I, know, I want your health. I want the talent. I want peace of mind. I want wealth. I want relationships. I want people to love me. I want all the stuff, but I don't want you. A few days later, This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Another word is like riotous living. I don't know what that means, but he started a riot. He did something. Um, Now, here's here's the problem with this, though. Now, can I just talk to people who have maybe grew up in church but have left the church? Can I just, if that's you, just hear my heart in this. The moment he stepped out the door, the famine began. And here's why. Because as soon as you leave the house of God, as soon as you leave the presence of God, all you take with you is what you can liquidate and carry. So all you take with you is your health and your talent and your, what you can carry out. But it starts running out. Let me explain this. Because you just took a bag of seed with you. But you didn't take the fields it needed to be sown in. You didn't take the servants. You didn't take the fridge. You just took, you just ran away from home like I tried to do with a backpack and no food. And my dad's like, what are you gonna do for dinner? And I'm like, and I shut the door and went back in the house and was angry for a little while. All right, Um, this is what happens, you know, can I say this? Our family gives a 10th, we give more than a 10th of our income to the Lord. This is what happens when a Christian comes back and the tent they've been spending on themselves, but they're still in famine because the Lord's like, I will rebuke the devourer over your fields. But you got to part with the things so that you get a little faith so that you remember that your income and your life is not about you. You can't find your purpose until you help somebody else find their purpose. So I'm saying like, all you'd have to do is give that back and just be like, then a recurring harvest starts coming when you need it the most. But watch the timing that happens if you keep the seed and eat the seed. Watch the timing that happens that the devil can time. Because God can time it for good. But the devil, watch what he does. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. I mean, every, anybody have the whole world land on him? You had marriage problems and kid problems and money problems and mental problems and depression problems. And it all lands on you at the same time. Why? Because that's what the devil does. He'll leave you alone if you move away from God. Can I just let you in on this? He'll leave you alone for a little bit because as you move towards God, the devil adds pressure because that's the last thing he wants you to do is be a soldier of Jesus and live your life on purpose and hurt him and his people. God's like, rescue those people. But as you move away from God, he'll let the pressure up until one day he'll bring it all back. And that's what happens to every one of us. All we like sheep. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Sheep shouldn't be in with the pigs. I don't know anything about farming, but I don't think that that is where they should be. (laughs) Where did all his talent go? Well, when you live with pigs, all your talent is just used against you. You're good with people, that's great. But when you live with pigs, it doesn't matter. Hey, use all your good with people stuff now. It doesn't matter because you're living with pigs. You're not living with people. The young man became so hungry. Even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Don't miss that. It means that when you go and live that life of sin with other people that want to sin, if you ever decide to leave it, but like nobody there wants to feed you, they're just happy that you're there because they can feel better about their lives. And as long as you're there, they're like, I can keep doing this and it's never going to catch up with me. But the minute that you leave, I'll bet you those friends turn on you because they don't really love you anyways. They just love pleasure. But pleasure without God always turns into pain. When he finally came to his senses, it says he came to himself. He's like, this is not me. This is not the life I could live. He said, at home, he said to himself, you got to say to yourself first. And somebody's going to say it right now to yourself at home. Maybe you've never been home, but this is home and you know it. Like this is like the house of... At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. It's The hunger drove you back to the house of God. Listen, if it worked out there, you wouldn't be here. Sometimes people are like, do you preach the Bible? Do you preach? I'm like, yes. If it was working out there, you wouldn't need this. We are here because we're like, oh. We came to ourselves and we realized this is not the life we could live. He said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Here's the heart of of your father towards you. And here's the heart of this church towards you. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with anger and rejection. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And he said, The son said, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And the father didn't stop him because he needed to say it. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. That's true. Sons of God don't live in pig pens. Daughters of God don't live with the pigs. They don't. That's not what we do. I'm not worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, okay, the thing is (laughs) said. He said, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. We have a baptism service coming up and I don't want you to miss it. Don't try to figure it out before you do it. Obedience is better than you figuring something out. That puts the terms of your relationship with God on you and you don't want it there. People used to make a decision and be baptized that night. Some of you are coming back to Christ, but you need to rededicate your life and you need to do it publicly. And you need to be like, this is the way I know it's the way now. I left, I'm back. Or I've never been here and I need to get publicly baptized. And we can give you information about that at the brick wall. But there's a statement, there's this thing that you've got to get to that says, Father, I've had to say it. In fact, I kind of say it every day. I have sinned and I don't deserve to be your son. But you made me one anyways. I'd be happy just to be a servant in the house of God. But you made me a son. It cost you everything. It cost you Jesus, the best, the lamb of God that never strayed away. To save the sheep that strays. If you've lived like there is no God or there's an area of your life that's still in the pig pen, I just want to, as we sing this song, see, there's something that's very important for you to understand. When you were in the pig pen, you really wanted your father to come and get you there, but he didn't. Because God's like that don't live in pig pens. It would make him unholy and he's not. He is who he is and only in his holiness saves us. There's something the son had to do that day that he's like, I came to myself. This is not my life that I want. He had to get up on his own two feet and walk back to his father's house. And I want to give you an opportunity. We're just going to do an old-fashioned altar call. If that's you that I'm talking to, if there's an area of your life, Christ follower, that you're like, it's with the pigs. I don't, this is not the life that I want here. I want all of it to belong to the Lord. If you're coming back to faith, if this is your first time coming to faith, we're just going to have the prayer team just come. And all we're going to do is, it's like a family time. We're just going to pray for you. And just somebody might just put their hand on on your shoulder and like, hey, you're not alone in this. We're with you. We've done this. We're doing this right now. And so we're, we're going to sing a song. What song are we singing? Come again. All right. There's a line in here that I want you to catch a hold of. It's not a building that you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. That empty space, when I say, Father, I have sinned, and I'm not worthy to be your son, I'm, I'm not worthy to be your daughter, that creates an empty space that God wants to fill. And then he fills it with himself. Then you get self-worth because he starts speaking to you who you really are.